my hip. I was crippled Friday when we came to prayer meeting. Yesterday, the Lord healed me of my hip. I can, I, he, healed, he healed me of several things in my body. Forty years ago, I was in a car wreck, and I, I couldn't move my head to the left. And now I can. I, when, I, when, I, when, I would, when I would drive, I would have to turn my whole body around to see if there's any cars coming. Now I can just look over my shoulder and some other things. I could go on. That's good. Praise the Lord. This is revival. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the healing that's coming to these men and women. Women. Our faith joins with their faith, Lord. We're pressing in for healing for these. Hallelujah to your name, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. We just pray for Apostle Gerald here this morning. Lord, we thank you for a man of God, Lord, that leads that stands for you. Lord, bless him and every word that comes out of his mouth this morning in Jesus' name. Guess which is it? Is it NBA or NFL? 36 have been accused of spousal abuse. Seven have been arrested for fraud. 19 have been accused of writing bad checks. 117 have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses. Three have done time for assault. 71, I repeat, 71 cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit. 14 have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits. And 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. Country. Lord Jesus, we ask you to cleanse our nation, the government, and the deep state. Lord, I bless, I pray for Kevin McCarthy also. Lord, we raise up men and women that will make the stand for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep praying for the country. Thank you for praying for me. This is a lot better than it was last Sunday. <laughs> we did a little spiritual house cleaning around here this week, though. God's good. And you can have some birthday cake when church is over. And after you leave early, I'm, I'm going to say, don't go get the cake yet. If you want to know what 85 feels like, felt like 65 or 45. Or, you still, I was watching a basketball game, and I thought, well, I can guard that guy. Come well, you still think you can. You still think you can. The flesh always got an idea, but wisdom says, mm, just keep your seat. You've heard of being older and dirt? I am. He chose me before the foundation of the world. He chose me before the dirt. I got thinking about that this week. God is so good.
He is so good. President Biden is prepared to give the World Health Organization authority over America, America's policies during any pandemic. He hadn't signed that yet, but that'd be just like COVID. World Health would have been in charge. Let's believe our senators and representatives get that stopped. Lord, I decree that'll come to nothing. I decree the World Health Organization comes to nothing. We don't need that stuff. And uh, Klaus Schwab made this statement this week. Those who master artificial intelligence will be the master of the world. Let me tell you, that is <laughs> nothing. Charles, you're going to bow your knee someday. Well, amen. Oh, you ladies have a good Valentine's Day. I hope, well, if they did, guys, I know you did. So let me give you some surprising facts here proving conservatives are healthier and have better marriages than liberals. Republicans are more satisfied in their relationships than Democrats. Married Democrat women are the most dissatisfied with their relationships. The Republican advantage in marriage is across the board. The Republican advantage stems from conservatives championing family first values. Married couples in general report more satisfaction in their relationships than Americans in any other type of relationships. Democrats, on the other hand, champion values that steer them away from marriage. Conservatives are more likely to be married than liberals. Conservatives are more likely to be satisfied with their families than liberals. Liberals more are more likely to struggle with their mental health than conservatives. Maybe that explains some of the things we see going on. So, excuse me. <coughs> well, I want to talk about families today. But I want to read you some scripture out of Colossians first. And this really isn't about families, but it's just where we need to start. And it's hard for me to start in this chapter and not read the whole thing, but I'm going to have to skip some of it. Let's start with verse 18, Leah. Talking about Jesus. Do you know He's still the head? It says He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. So that He Himself must will come to have first place in everything. That's, what, that's all he wants, is everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or for the things in heaven, that's the only verse in Scripture that talks about peace and the blood and the cross. He made peace, but it cost Him, didn't it? The blood of His Son, the blood of Jesus on the cross. Lord, thank You. And although it says you, but I'll say we, were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, Yet now He has reconciled you in His fleshly body through death, in His body through death, in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed, say if, you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel, that... <clears throat> that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now I suffer in, rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, 
which is the church in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Now, I claim this next verse for sure. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. Amen. Amen. So that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generation, but has been manifest to his saints. Listen, there's a mystery. There's a mystery of the cross. Now, I keep praying for more revelation about the mystery of the cross. Oh, it's just a cross where Jesus died. Listen, there's power in the cross. It says there's a mystery. There's a mystery. This is the mystery which has been hidden. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of His glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say, Christ in you. Tell your neighbor, Christ in you. You know where He is in you? He's right in the middle of your spirit. His spirit's in your spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him. We admonish every man and teach every man with all wisdom so we may present. Listen, I want to present every man, woman, boy, and girl complete in Christ Jesus. For this purpose, I also I labor, striving according to His power which mightily works within me. Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the power of the cross. We don't outgrow the cross. Well, I got saved, and we just think, well, what's next? But we probably ought to get to know the one that initiated all that. And that's what it's about. And where's family come in on this? You know, in Psalm 78 talks about one group that turned back, and I relate it to them saying, because Psalm 78 says, Fathers, teach it to your children, to your children's children. It's got to go down at least three generations. You've got to have three generations. It's easy. You can find a family, and you can find a skip in there. It's easy to let the gospel get away. It is just easy. We, we've, you've seen it with all kinds of people. <coughs> I've saw people come in here and I thought they're going to be the next one to raise up and really make a stand for God. You know, I, I'm blessed to see you this morning, every one of you. And I was blessed early here. They were seated toward the front. I told Henry, that's a blessing to see the front get filled up. What concerns me is when they move from the front and start moving back because the next thing they're gone, they're out the door. Is that right, Henry? That's the way it works. You, you've got to fight for the church. There are two things that the enemy wants to wipe out. It's the church and families. He wants to divide families. That's why... Why, can, why do we allow 2 or 3% of the nation, the LGBT, that whole group, why do we let them have the power they've got? There's 97% of us that think that's wrong. And you know what's more important what we think's wrong? The Word of God says it's wrong. You might read Romans chapter 1. You might figure out how to live through that. <clears throat> Bobby Connor said he was in a meeting one time getting ready to preach. He was back in the, the green room. And this guy came in and uh, sat down by him, a big extrovert kind of guy, and he said, uh, I'm a gay Christian. And uh, he said, uh, I don't think you are according to Romans 1. Well, he said, you know, I don't really think I am anyway. <laughs> you know, down deep, you, you kind of know what's right. I mean, the Word of God's a test. But we've got to fight for our families. Well, <clears throat> I think so much of you guys, I see so much 
and you guys, Austin, and I, of course, every couple can think back when they were your age or getting started. I think about Dixie and I, we were 19 and 21 and had about everything figured out. <laughs> you know, I was working for my dad and we had, a little, had our little rented house and we'd bought some nice stuff and I was, I was really proud of all that. But you know, one day I asked my dad, I said, why don't you come out and see us tonight and bring your Bible? And I, I don't know now what I was thinking about or dealing with. But, you know, I, I just knew there was something. And uh, I'm sure, I don't remember what all we talked about, but it was good. And I always had a good relationship with my dad. I mean, there's times I did not honor him, but we had, we had a good relationship. But, you know, Dixie and I started out praying together. But, you know, it went on and I got to paying more attention to the people I were around and just, and I, and I can't, you can't blame anybody for your sin. But I remember the night she said we hadn't prayed and I said, well, I'm tired or something. You know, listen, it's just easy to let it get away. The flesh is the flesh. And uh, that was some of our first years were that way. We, we kept going to church, but uh, Jesus wasn't Lord. I've told you before, and, and I'm, I'm serious about it. I still remember when a pastor said, Jesus wants to be Lord, I thought, what will he come up with next? Because, and listen, there's people, and I've heard one today, a person been in church all their life, and there's things that, you hadn't heard about that God wants to do that are uh, things that are very fundamental Christian things. Deliverance, soul ties, all kinds of things like that. Because people just, I mean, it's just getting somebody saved is like getting a baby birth and just leaving them up here on the stage and coming back checking on next week. I mean, you wouldn't even think about that. I mean, DHS would have us all arrested. But discipleship is a process. But uh, in eight years, there was a big change in my life when Angie was born. When, <clears throat> you know, when you have a child, you look at things different. You love something that's can't at the time even love you. But it, it, it just changes some things. You know, it makes... I remember coming back from judging a horse show and an airplane landed, I, th I think, in Little Rock. I didn't have to get off. I just sat there. And I watched a man bring a little girl, probably about three, maybe four, out. And he had to put her on that plane. It was Sunday. I knew he was having to send her back to her mother, probably. You know, I thought, oh, man. I mean, things like that make you... You know, Dixie and I, one thing we have never talked about is divorce. We never have. Yeah. <laughs> Take that mic away from her. This is going to be complicated enough anyway. I did think about it once when we were in Africa on a mission trip. That's how much warfare. I mean, we weren't in a debate or an argument. But I remember, how would we divide everything up? That's what I was thinking about. But really. But I mean, see, that's the way the adversary works. We were over there to help them. 
Listen, it'll, it'll get turned around on you. But we've never went there. We've had some discussions. But, see, my mom and dad, I was raised in church. My dad was a deacon. My dad loved to teach the Old Testament in particular and did that a lot. But I remember when we lived in Jacksonville, Arkansas for a while, when I was from the, moved there in the second grade, moved back to Oklahoma in the middle of the sixth grade. So somewhere in those years, and I got saved while we were down there, but probably maybe I was 10 years old. I remember one night hearing them talking. Then I hear, remember hearing my mother crying. You ever remember you hearing your mama crying the night? You know something's not right. I mean, I'd never heard that before. Well, of course, when they heard me crying, that stopped. But see, you look at your parents like they've got everything figured out. A kid does. So my dad would have been early 30s. My mom, late 20s. She was, I believe, six years younger. But see, as an adult later, when I look back on the things they were going through, it's, it's a wonder they made it through those times. And yet, I know, if they hadn't been in a good church, and Henry Ryan, <coughs> the pastor and my dad were good friends, and I know he helped them through those times. Because I, I remember my mom going to the altar about some things and talking about some things. But I mean, the struggles that go on in families, listen, they're everywhere. And you're not immune. And you've been in them in some way or other. Or will be. My folks divorced after being married 26, 7 years. And, if, and I thought they should. That's how spiritual I was. But if someone, and I, I know... I know they would have sat down with someone. If someone would have sat down with them and said, look, no, we're going to fix this. I mean, it was just the flesh out of control. But you've got to let somebody help you. You will not get it solved on your own. It takes help. And there is a fight over families. Because if he can divide, I got another one. I got another one. And listen, I don't care if you've been divorced and you're remarried. That's fine. Just work it out if you can. Get help. But I'm telling you, pride is something. I don't have, we don't have any problems. And we claim to be honest. I remember my grandfather. I'd stay with him a lot in the summer. I remember this was a few years later. My folks were separated for a little bit. And he told me, you get a little older, he said, you just need to come live with me. But right now, you need to stay. I was the oldest of four kids. But see, God was working in us. My mother could, said she'd been saved and baptized, she just couldn't remember it. Now, always, how's that happen? Her mother would tell her, yeah, you were saved and baptized. But, I mean, way years later, uh, probably 10 years before she passed, my two brothers and I went to the house and talked to her about her salvation. And she agreed that she knew the Lord. She used to come here. She liked to hear me preach. She didn't like her music. She liked the music at her church. She just didn't like the preacher. 
But bless God, she was there before him, and she, you know, that makes sense, right? But families are important. Kids deserve a godly example. And it takes more than them hearing it once a week at church. It takes more than twice a week. And I know we don't have some of the classes, but I promise you if you bring your kids, we'll get to classes. But the guilt is on you parents that won't bring them. You're just more important that your job's more important, your schedule's more important, everything's more important. It's more important than what God wants to put in your kids. And I promise you, we won't just get a babysitter for them. Lives can get changed. Young or old, marriages. But see, then my life really changed when we heard about the guy coming to Skytook that he saw a vision of an airplane landing on a highway and the sign said S-K-Y-T-U-K. And God told him he was going to pour his spirit out on Skytook. Well, this man was in Alaska. He said, I looked over the Eskimo villages. I couldn't find anything by that name. He went back to Texas, called a pastor friend of his, and they said, well, he doesn't, he's not here at this church anymore. And said, where's he at? He said, well, he moved to Skytook. So he called him, and he called him, and that was the first Baptist church when it was downtown. That intrigued me. Dixie and I went the first night. He, he preached the same message all week out of Ephesians 5. This is the will of God not to be drunk, but to be filled with the Spirit of God. Had nothing to do with gifts, speaking in tongues. He said, it's out of Romans, I mean, excuse me, Ephesians 5. This is the will of God to be filled with the Spirit of God. And listen, if you're a Christian, and when you get born again, I promise you the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. But the problem is the Holy Spirit don't get out all of us. Or, and maybe at the time we don't get teaching what could go on in that. The age you come to Christ has something to do with it. What your background is. What you know about it. The Holy Spirit's there. But that verse says, and Ephesians is written to a church, not to a bunch of heathens. It's written to a church. And he's saying, church, the will of God is for you to be filled with the Spirit. We went down got prayed for. We went back the next night. We got prayed for. And then a day or two, and that's when God began to deal with me about my life. He said, okay. You call the Quarter Horse Association, get that horse thing straight. You know it's not right. You talk to Dixie about some things she don't know about. Oh, that's what getting filled with the Spirit is? I shouldn't tell this because some of you wouldn't want to be filled with the Spirit. I had a business thing, the insurance business. I had to call a company. I had one thing that I had to call, talk to them about. And you know, they kept passing me from one to get to a head person. When they answered the phone, I wanted to say the thought that came, just ask him what time it is and hang up. Because my counsel that I received, <clears throat> it'd be easy for me to say, Austin, I'm sorry. But say, Austin, God's convinced me I was wrong to you is another thing. When I say God's convicted me, see, you've got to give God the credit in Him. God's told me I was wrong. I want to get this right. 
You think that has something to do with be filled with the Spirit? Let me tell you, that's where my life really changed. I was in my early 30s, somewhere along in there. That's when Dixie said, I, I'd never been mean to her, but she said, that's when I began to treat her right. What about your family? It just takes one in a family to make this change. You can't say, well, it's... You can't pass it off on someone else. Only you can make these kind of decisions. Only you. You have to make it. You can't make it. You can't make your spouse do anything. You already should have figured that out by now. I mean, I've, I've been too much of a Holy Spirit trying to change her, fix her. I mean, that's, That's the way the flesh works. That's the biggest battle there is to reckon this old nature dead. And everybody will tell you, oh yeah, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit. Well, maybe we should ask some different questions about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. What's God saying to you? I was on a horse buying thing, and this guy, he was rough-talking guy. When I began to witness to him, he began to tell me he got went down to the church and got saved and got filled with the Spirit. Well, that wasn't what I'd heard coming out of his mouth. Yeah, it is. How do you have a godly family? How do you fight for a godly family? Angels standing for her family. It just takes one, angel. It just takes one. But you, you've got to make a stand. You've got to be the example. And there's times you've just got to eat some things and walk in grace. And sometimes you just got to say, God, I guess if you can put up with this, I can. And yet then there comes a time when sometimes you have to say, it depends on where you're at in the situation, I, you know. I mean, we had a big horse event at the barn. Here come one of my best friends carrying in this liquor stuff. And I said, Ralph, where'd you, what's, what's up? And he said, well, Al asked me to bring it in, the attorney. I said, just hold on. I said, Al, you're welcome, but we're not having that. He said, I understand, that's fine. I mean, they honored me in that, but you just have to stand up where you need to stand, whatever it is. You're entitled to house rules. You better have some house rules. We've had a, some people was on our leadership team when we first started. They come to the house of their kids, and their kids just took off down the hall going to go check out the bedrooms. I guess I said, just wait a minute here. Sometimes you have to mind somebody else's kids in your house. This lady's got a lot of rewards coming in heaven. Raising Charles, I know. See, God will use things to change your life. He speaks in a lot of different ways. Can you pray where you and your spouse pray together? Learn to pray out loud together. Pray over your kids. Pray over your kids. I know men, I know guys that travel all the time. They said, look, First thing of the morning, I would call home and pray over my family. If I wasn't there, I'd pray over them. I mean, you have to make an effort at being good at whatever you do. And I still think one of the th things might be one of the first questions God will ask us is what did you do with what I gave you? And what did he give you besides your family? What did you do with them? 
Oh, I was, I was going to. Oh, I did. And I've had men say, yeah, a little lady takes care of that. Well, you phony. You just won't, you won't face up. And it, it's, listen, it is not easy. It wasn't easy making those phone calls I made. It wasn't easy talking to Dixie. But it's worth it. I'm thankful for it. It's liberating. When you can stand before God without guilt, fear, or condemnation. No guilt, fear, or condemnation. That's what He wants. There's not a parent in here who wants their kid to be afraid of them. You ought to have it so if they're in need, they could come talk to you about anything. And, and men and women, we, we need to be wise enough to know how to listen and not just make a snap judgment sometime before we hear the story. If you judge before you hear, you're wrong. And isn't it so easy to judge? But family, it's great to get together. See, God puts you in a family I can still tell you the, the order how we all sat around the family. Six of us at home. And we always ate at least two meals together. And around the table. That's kind of a foreign thing I hear anymore too. A lot of good discussions can happen around the table. I mean, they should. What is Christianity? If, see, if it doesn't apply to every day. See, it's just so easy to say, yeah, I got saved when I die, I go to heaven. Listen, there's a little span in here where he's trying to grow us up to make us like, look like Jesus. We'll be ready for heaven. He's, he's working on that. He's doing that. That's what he's about. There is more to this life than just being born again and you've got to just try to make it on your own. That's not what Christianity is. And, and listen, you, if you feel that way, that's God in you trying to convince you there's got to be a better way. But we don't want to bow a knee. We don't want to give up and say, I need help in this. Listen, I'm foolish if I don't go ask people that know something about what I, whatever I'm doing. I promise you, I had horse guys I could call and ask a question. I knew they would have been through it. And they'd tell me. And I've had them call me. But in spiritual matters, or particularly if everything's just not right at home or something, we don't want to admit something. It's just so easy to be phony. And I'm telling you, God will pull the covers off of it. He doesn't care to embarrass you. He doesn't care. There's been men with national reputation. God just let it be exposed. If you don't deal with it, it'll eventually get exposed. If I hadn't dealt with my sin, God would have exposed it. He said, now you, or you, you deal with it. I didn't ask him if he was going to if I didn't. I mean, I, I did not debate. it. There is no debate. You know what's right and wrong. But it's just easy to just go our way and we've got our heroes and we're busy. And How do you be a Christian have a family, have a spouse, have a job, have a business, be part of a church. How can you do all that? Only if you're led by the Spirit of God. And listen, there, there's a, a time to say no to some things too. There's some things that aren't going to be important in eternity. And your desires will change as you go through life. My desire was to, you know, 
make a living in, in the horse business. And, you know, we were in some other business. I grew up working for my dad in that store, and then we had an insurance agency, and we just did some, some other things. Dixie worked. She was rich when we got married. She had $500, but she had it loaned out to an uncle. And, and we're still waiting on that. So if you're going to loan money, if somebody wants to borrow money and you do it, you just got to say, okay. In your heart, you better say, I'm giving it to them. That'd be like 50000 now, 65 years ago. 500 was a lot of money when you was make, I was making 50 a week, so. But God, see. I mean, numbers are a little different now, but the issues are the same. Finding your place and purpose. And, and every step I took working for my dad, then this guy come along, going to bring MFA insurance into the state. We had MFA feed. I was 23 years old. I said, well, I can do that right here. So I became an insurance agent. And then a year or two, I quit working for my dad and just had the agency. Then a little while, but Dixie quit her job and come in, and she began to help in that, and I began to do more with the horse stuff. Left her there, she says. <laughs> I mean, everything you're going through, see, God is working in you to will and work for His good pleasure. I might, I can remember sometime, maybe about 16, sitting back in the back part of the church, the thought might have went through my head about preaching one time. I couldn't have went there. didn't want to go there. But after we got filled with the Spirit, then we were on, on, in a crusade on a, in a meeting. And I had no idea about preaching when the Lord, He just waited 20 years or whatever that was, 15, 18, I don't know. I heard it second time, but he come in a different way. But as a kid, I didn't have a thought about that. But he'll change your desires. What's your desires? Where does God fit in your desires? I promise you he'll give you the desire of your heart. He's let me do so many things. He... he allowed us to have horses and raise horses that did, were nationally recognized and in the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. And at that time, it's important. And I can go to those shows and a lot of them still, you can talk about that and they, they still know about it. But God changes that and he'll change, He may change yours. You just got to be willing to let him do what he wants to do in your life. That's a key. It's just easy to think we've got it all figured out, and we don't. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Why did he go to the cross? He redeemed all mankind, but then he gave us his Holy Spirit so we could become like his sons, what he's about. To grow us up to be like Jesus. And yet we let so many things get in our way. We take offense. We don't like this. We don't like that person. We, you get, you know, when you're raised in a family, as I said, there was four kids or mom and dad. There were some discussions, I promise you. But my dad could snap his fingers and settle any of them. 
That was it. I'm telling you, you're wrong if your kids don't learn some discipline and obedience at home. And you, Christians as a whole are very lax. I've been back there standing three feet from somebody and one of your six-year-olds run between us. I mean, they ought to be old enough to know something. I mean, a two- or three-year-old child knows to come in and sit down and be quiet if they've been trained. But see, we as adults are the same way. God's trying to make us more like Jesus. It's the same thing without discipline. There is discipline in life. I wish everybody took a little army time. They'll help you with your discipline. They don't mind turning a double bank a bed over. They don't care if you're in the top bunk. Never happened to me, but I promise you I saw it happen. That'll get your attention. But where, where's God in this? Put up that scripture of Hebrews 12, 14. We talked about holiness is almost like a religious word, not a good word in church anymore. What about this word? It's 12, 14. It says, without holiness, you won't see the Lord. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. He's trying to make us holy. What's the Holy Spirit for? Do you think the Holy God will come and live in you and not make you holy? I've told you about my friends. This horse had got out and was wild and they were in the pasture chasing it. A man that knew those men that were after it said if that horse knew who was after it, it would give up. You better give up. Jesus. Without holiness, you won't see the Lord. Where, where does that fit? Well, I pray to sinner's prayer. Where does that fit? See, it's just easy to say, yes, I'm a Christian. I love that old commercial, where's the beef? You know, where's the meat? Where's the, where's the evidence? And I'm not against speaking in tongues. But there's got to be some ev other evidence, too, in your life. What's God doing in you? What makes you different than anybody else? What makes you different? There's just some choices you have to make. There's some choices you do every day nobody knows about. Just you. Your relationship with God is who you are when nobody sees you. How you act, where you go. I judged horse shows for about 30 years. Went to a lot of different states. I could get away from Skytook. I could get away from my church family. I couldn't get away from God. Who do you want to please? I've started to say this twice, so I better say it. I've talked about my dad could snap his fingers and just settle something. See, you learn to get along in a family. You learn to grow, to function in that family. Then you get saved, and God puts you with some unusual people in a church family. And you have to learn to get along with them. And you might as well learn to love everybody. You need to learn to forgive. There, I don't ever want to offend you. 
I won't intentionally. But you will get hurt somewhere. And that just shows how much you're letting your emotions rule you rather than the Spirit of God. Because you're more concerned than you got wronged. Think about Jesus. How did he get wronged? How wrong was he and he got hung on the cross? Let me see your hands, you whiners. Let me see the holes in your hands. Did it not cost him something to be known as a bastard and illegitimate? His dad was probably a Roman soldier. I mean, he grew up hearing that. And he just, and you know what? He didn't defend it. He just walked on. I think I told the Wednesday night group about this book of uh, Morial Morelli's has got a chapter in it. It says, don't slow the train down to throw rocks at barking dogs. There's just some things you can't fix. You can't fix stupid. You just walk on. And everybody is not going to walk with you. If they want to walk with you, that's great. But... They won't all do it. It just takes two. Stand up with me here. Yeah, Dixie. Yeah, you can all stand, but she's going to stand with me. It just takes somebody to agree with you. If you're, if you're single, I'll agree with you. She's having trouble keeping up with me today. But we, we listen, we can agree on something. We... If it's a big decision, I promise you we're agreed on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, she can, she's got a bank account. She can do what she wants to do with it. She does. <laughs> we can. But we want to please God. Where's the Holy Spirit fit in your life? takes Jesus to save you, but it takes the Holy Spirit to keep you walking with Him. If you don't let the Lord rule your marriage, who's going to rule it? I'm telling you, the dark side will. Uh, the things you watch on TV will. The, the friends you listen to at work and all the fun they're having in your home with the baby. But you're raising a world changer. Tell them that. Tell them that. Tell them that. I don't know what all God's saying to you. I just, I believe he is. We've made a lot of mistakes. But we've chose to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. By faith in Him, He will work out what you need if you will align your life with Him. He is still the way, the truth, and the life. And without holiness... No one will see the Lord. No one's told me yet how you get around that. The more you walk with the Lord, the more you'll want to. It's just your flesh that doesn't want to stop and take the time. And I, I know we all battle that. But I'll pray for your marriage today. I'll pray for your family. Whatever you need, we've got someone that will pray with you. And if, if you're not in the habit of praying with your spouse, today's the day to start. It's a good place to start. Lord, what else? 
Thank you. Zacchaeus was a short man. But he wanted to see Jesus and he climbed a tree. You got to do whatever it takes. They mentioned this on Flashpoint the other night. You know what Jesus said to him? I must come to your house today. Let me tell you, he's coming to your house today. He is coming to your house today. He wants to get right in the middle of your stuff. He's right, he's right in it. But he wants you to let him. He wants you to let him. I want, he wants you to be like Zacchaeus. I'll do whatever it is. I'll climb a tree to see you. And you know what he said? He said, Lord, if I've done anybody wrong, I'll get it straight. And I believe it, but I forgot. He gave half of what he had away. I mean, he had to come to Jesus' time out of that. Come down today. I've got to come to your house. That's what this is about today. Let's come down. Let him come to our house today. That's individually and as couples. If you're by yourself. He wants to come to your house. If you're singles. He wants to come to your house. If you want a spouse, he's got one for you. Lord, we just welcome you. Now let's deal with whatever he wants to deal with today. It'd be a, it'd be a shame. I, I'm tired of people telling me, making all these big stories and promises, and then they're gone. No, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's come. Why don't you come to him this morning? If you've never been born again, you need to come let Jesus be Jesus and you can start this journey. Wherever it's at. Come on, men. This is a great day. This is a great day to know. Lord, we've set our family aside for you. You gave us these children Just come. Bring your, bring your spouse. Just come. Bring your family. There's going to be a bigger crowd than this in heaven. Lord, we just come before you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. What about those business things or all that straight? Heaven wants to come down. Heaven is coming down. But He wants us to have our hearts open to Him. Just be sure you're being obedient to Him. If you've never made a public commitment to the church, this would be a good morning to come and do it. Just come. Lord, they need a fresh touch this morning. Shaking up the earth and skies, 
Come on, Charlie. I don't think we're finished. We want to see your kingdom in the sky too, in the Ascension Church. What the Lord say to you? Anybody? Amen. Amen. Somebody ought to decree something God showed you that you're going to start doing or stop doing. Terry? For those who don't know me, I'm a PRCA rodeo photographer, and there's some real tests of the enemy that are coming at me because I'm teaching other photographers. And recently, there's a few of these photographers that don't like what I'm doing, so they're trying to tear me down to destroy what I'm doing because of the success of the people I'm mentoring. And last night, and I've been asking forgiveness because I... Let my flesh talk to one of the people I'm mentoring because there's a, an awful rodeo photographer who thinks we shouldn't do anything, but he should have it all. But I just stand against all of the enemy's tricks and deception to try and destroy what God has me doing. And these amazing people that also God has doing what they're doing through my mentorship and carrying it farther and I just claim Jesus Christ over my business and over all the people he puts in my life to mentor and to take care of and to represent him in such a godly fashion that they cannot stand against us. Walk in grace. You're doing right and forgiving. Lord, you deal with her enemies. You deal with her enemies, Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Thank you. That's exactly right. Amen. Someday we'll have revival when we begin to talk about our issues now. I've talked about some of mine. We're finished? I think you covered a lot of issues here today. And I know he's not Dr. Phil, but he could probably help some of you younger ones whenever you get into a strife and division. Even some of you that are older, like me. So feel free to call him if you're not free to do it. Lord, we thank you that you meet with us. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Lord, I just want to say thank you. And Lord, we just offer this back up to you. You deserve the honor, the glory, and the credit for this day. And I speak blessings over the people in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Just on this Wednesday night.